Rejection most times is the redirection we need to unlock our truest potential. Life puts us in some uncomfortable and unexpected situations despite our efforts and plans. So how do we look at failures as opportunities? How do we deal with life's uncertainties, identify some losses as wins, all while not labeling ourselves as total losers or failures? You'll find out right here on Redirection with Terry Carell. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Redirection with Terry Carell. How is everybody doing? Again, thank you. Thank you so very much. Um, you know, as the year is getting um, closer and closer, my, 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 my itinerary has been extremely hectic. But I thank you guys for always riding with me and for understanding um, the time and energy that it takes to, you know, get each and episode up and running. Um, as usual, thank you so very much for the feedback. Uh, for those of you who are rating me uh, and and the podcast, but not only that, for those of you who have stumbled upon me for the very first time, for example, I heard from Shay Lawrence on Instagram and she said, "Hi, Terry Carell. I was introduced to your podcast by a colleague of mine. She sent me one episode specifically, um, the last episode, but I decided to listen." For from the introduction. I'm happy that I did. I love your podcast. I even had to express my appreciation to my colleague because she introduced me to this awesome platform at a turning point in my life. I'm taking notes and creating a collection of motivational quotes for myself simply because I'm at the point of redirection. I've also been sharing with my family and friends as well. TK, keep up the good work. You are a phenomenal woman. Thank you so very much, Shay Lawrence. And for those of you who are not already a part of my online community, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, as well as LinkedIn at Terry Carell. I'm an easy find, or you can look for the hashtag, your Jamaican girl. So who is gonna be in my seat today? And by the way, if you like the episodes, don't forget to use the hashtag redirection with TK. This guy has become a very good friend of mine. You know, Trinidadian, big up to the Trini Massive. He became a very close friend of mine. He is the original, the one and only Digi boss. Digipreneur boss, to be specific, um, launched his own Digipreneur Academy. And what his purpose and his calling is, is to really get Caribbean businesses, whether you are small, medium or large, get you to the digital place where you can serve your customers better creating digital assets but the thing is it was never always like this for him he's been through a lot he's experienced a lot and it was in his deepest darkest times that he realized that this would be his calling i can't wait to hear his story this is Karen rose the digiboss so stick and stay it's now time for redirection with terry carell partnered with toyota jamaica want to get the most out of every minute and every mile of your life. That's why Toyota is the brand most Jamaicans drive for life. Reliable, affordable, and durable. Everything you want from a vehicle, Toyota delivers. Enjoy your life's journey with a Toyota. Toyota Jamaica. Let's go places.
I mean, I've known you for how many months now? Good Lord. Feels like I've known you for years. I've known you um, since April. Like, even bef- maybe even before that, I think we started talking proper in April. Like, yeah, yeah. So we were like probably just seeing each other on LinkedIn back and right. forth before we started yeah. talking proper. And like, I, I respect your work ethics. I respect, I think I respect not just your work ethics, but what you're trying to do. And I think when people speak about you, they speak about you in the sense of what it is you do and how you do it. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and for me, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's boss. But I want to know, honestly, how you are the way you are and how you think the way you think. And I guess the first question for, for me is, it, it goes back to Genesis. Uh, I think a huge part of who people are is what or who shaped them when they were younger. So for example, for me, single parent home, mommy, grandmother. Grandmother was the matriarch and she was the one who like shaped me. So I'm interested in knowing you, Genesis, back in the day and your background. So I think for me, um, I've always took an interest in technology. Technology always interests me. I was always that person that everybody came to um, when they wanted to learn um, about computers. You know, if they had a new TV and they wanted to hook up to their sound system, their VHS, mm-hmm. how to record, how to rec- <laughs> like I was always that person, right? So that always interested me. And I always, I loved being in that space where I was teaching people from a very young age, but teaching people from um, teaching them technology and teaching them. At what, age, at, what age, at what age did you find out that you were in love with, with tech and teaching? Can you I remember think, the age? I think, so for me, it started around six, seven. It started young. I think I realized it. I think I realized my, my, my passion for teaching and technology maybe like, maybe like a year or two ago. Like, I mm-hmm. think I really, really felt like, you know, this is, this is me, like this is something because, you know, as you grow up, life pulls you in so many different, in so many different ways, you're still trying to figure yourself out. And it's only when you really sit down and reflect on, you know, what does that inner child in me like? Like what lights me up? And it always carried me back to some form of technology and teaching technology to people. So yeah, I'd say it started around like six, seven. Six, seven. I grew up. I grew up with my with my with my mom and my stepdad. Mm-hmm. So when we moved to Trinidad, when we moved from Trinidad, um, I was born in Trinidad, left at two weeks old. We moved to Toronto, and I lived in Toronto for 29 years. And it was me and my mom when we just moved over. Mm-hmm. And then she met my stepdad really early. I think I might have been like four when she mm-hmm. might have. I was with, I was raised with my stepdad and my mom um, for 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 my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think, um, yeah, just, just growing up, that was always my thing. I love technology, but it was always, uh, I never knew in the beginning, I never knew what I wanted to be. I just knew I had to be. I was sure. Well, so you do, you know, I was just about to ask you because it's a question that I ask all the guests. So, you know, what you're doing now, is this what you always want to do? And most guests are like, absolutely not. Some had something that was completely on the other side of the spectrum. So I was literally just going to ask you, hey, so you're in like primary education, even getting to secondary education. Did you have an idea of what you want to be? And if so, how different was it from what you're doing now, which is 
tech education, an online business? So I, I didn't, I did not have, I did not have pinned down exactly what I wanted to do. I knew that there were two areas that I loved, which was technology and animals. So with technology, I just, I just liked it. Like whatever it was in teaching it, I loved it. But then I love animals. Like I'm, if I could own a zoo, I would own a zoo. But don't you own a zoo right now? <laughs> well, we, it feels like it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I loved animals. So at one point, you know, I think, the, I think maybe the clearest um, career path I thought about was a vet. I was going to ask, I was going to be like, so at what point in time did you say, hey, I could pull off this Dr. Doolittle vet thing. I was going to wait to see if you'd say vet. But, but, you, but the, thing with, the, thing with, the thing with being a vet is my mom's a nurse and my mom has her master's in medicine and, and all nice. that stuff. And I would just see a lot of her work and I just see the words and half the words have like 30 <laughs> letters in them. And I'm like, yo, this ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this can't be it. You were like, all right, I'm just going to love the animals, but I will go treat them or take care of them. Yeah, like, and, and then, you know, and then I was always going, so my mom worked in, in Sunnybrook Hospital, which is the main hospital of Canada, right? <laughs> so I was always in and out of there, and I realized I don't like being there. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know? Yeah, scratch that. Yeah, scratch that. Me having to now deal with deal with animals and you know just replace the humans with animals. No, this, this ain't it. Okay. And okay. then you know, doing biology classes and we had to cut open frogs and cut over piglets. Again, this you saying it. This ain't it. <laughs> so 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 let me so let me go back. Let me go back. So you are six seven, interested in tech, and you have this natural love and possibly this natural ability. Um, to, to, to understand tech and understand how it works, even if you at that point in time don't understand, hey, this could be a form of revenue, oh, this could be an income, this could be, this could be it. You, you don't know this, you're just doing this based on it being, you know, just, just um, a passion. Was it something that your mom or even your stepdad encouraged? So like now we see more parents putting their children into coding and robotics. Was it something that was fed or you just kind of did this in your own space, in your own time? Um, for me, it was in my own space, in my own time. Like I think, um, so like growing up, like at some point, my stepdad and my mom were going through their thing for mm -hmm. a long time. Mm -hmm. And when they started to go through their rift, um, it just allowed me to be alone a lot. So during my, my alone time, and I think that's what's helped me kind of now is I'm, I'm used to just being alone, being left to my own devices. Um, I read a lot. Like I was, I was always a big, big reader from, from young. I used to harass my mom all the time. Hey, where did you get that from? Where did, where did you get that from? Because if you speak to like Caribbean people, mm -hmm. and if we even want to go to the broader generalization of black boys, Mm -hmm. You know, the general narrative is that they don't like to read. Boys don't like to read. They like to play and, and you know, do the ass, you know, yeah. foolishness, but they don't like to read. And most boys who started reading were encouraged by someone or saw someone or had a mentor that inspired them to. So I want to know just you harassing your mom at a young age to say, yo, I just want to read. Where, where did that come from? Um, I think... Um 
for as long as I can remember, um, one of the things that, so my mom, my mom is a very scholarly woman. Mm-hmm. Um, when she, up to this day, she was, she's always going back to school to do new courses, whatever. Um, so she was always into the books, right? And she was the one who taught me how to read. She was always encouraging me to read, you know, nice. whether willfully or forcefully. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to read, right? Black children understand that. The, the belt? Yeah, boy. <laughs> T-H-E. <laughs> T-H-E. <laughs> oh, God. So I, I, learned, I learned how to read from, from, from Mom Dukes, but I think, I think what I really, really enjoyed was um, books always took you to another place. Like, mm-hmm. Books, you just, you start reading a good book and, you know, your room turns into the palace and you're fighting dragons and you're just right there. So I have a, I'm very creative. I have a very vivid imagination. I dream vividly. Like I'm just always thinking big in my own little space. So um, just being pushed to read from my mom, um, books was one of the, books was something that I could always get. So she might not get me the video game, but let me let me ask for books and books. So my bookshelf, my book collection was always good. And I always loved to read. And again, because I was left to my devices a lot, I was always just, you know, just reading a lot to my, in my own spare time. That's awesome. So let me ask you this question then. How does this boy who is interested in tech and teaching and community, even if you didn't know that that's what you were doing, building community, um, and reading books and being creative, how do you fit into the traditional institution that is school? So for persons who are creative and, you know, have these imaginations and tech, let's be real, like tech was always non-traditional. Tech just became something amazingly important and relevant in recent years, if we're going to be very honest. So then how do we fit you now into school and how did that reflect on your grades? Because we meet amazing children who are creative and can, you know, assemble computers, but they come last in class because they can't figure out this structure that is school. So I want you to kind of tell me, how did you fit into school? Yeah, I, I was always intelligent. I think I frustrated, uh, I frustrated everybody. Because <laughs> it was never about he cannot do it. It was about he doesn't want to do it. <laughs> that was always my problem from, from day one was, you know, I was, I was a good student, so I never really failed anything, mm-hmm. you know, but I never put my all into school because it was boring. Like nothing, I, like, I didn't care about American history. I didn't care about, <laughs> because it never connected to me. Correct. It never connected. I did not care about calculus. I, you know, basic math's cool. Reading, writing, cool. You know, geography, I didn't, I didn't care about a lot of these things. And I think the biggest problem for me was, you know, you're in these institutions and nothing, you, you look at to see all of the, all the courses you can pick and nothing appeals to you. Nothing, <laughs> yeah. Nothing, nothing appeals to you. So it's hard for me to... Um, get excited or want to put in studying to, to, to learn anything that I have no interest in. And then fast forward to now, and there's very little that from school that I put into practice today. 
I think that has, that, that has always been an argument where people have just been like, hey, since when have we used Pythagoras's theorem? The Pythagoras. <laughs> like, oh, Lord. <laughs> You know, and that's the biggest that's the biggest question. And and not only that, I, I recently saw a, a video that spoke about how many things have changed over the years, you know, cars, technology, roles, job descriptions. And then they looked at school and curricula and they're saying it has been one of the educational system that is. Yes. This has been one of the systems that no matter what has changed around it. It literally has, it just does not change. And I mean, I know that you're coming to, you know, you're, you, you, you've announced that you're going to be doing your own, you know, your, your Digipreneur Academy. And so knowing what you do now um, and what you went through and of course the different problems that people have, do you plan on making your academy different? Yeah, I think, um, I think I have a, a, a perspective. I, I, sit, I sit in a place where I have the best of two worlds. I spent 29 years in Canada. So I have that mindset. And now I've come to the Caribbean and I'm seeing all of the challenges that we have and the challenges that I'm passionate about, that I care about, that are within my space, that I am equipped to shed light on. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens to be a very important topic right now, which is, you know, entrepreneurship, online business, utilizing a lot of these tools and digital tools and making sense of it for people, for everyday Joes to just be able to start their business, learn it. Even if you, you know, even if it's to just get you off the ground mm-hmm. and get started and then I'm able to, to, to break it down and motivate people to want to learn it and get it and get them to, to put it into practice. So it's, it's going to be different because it's, it's, it's my perspective. It has my energy and the people that follow me, follow me because of my perspective, because of my energy. And, and I think it's, I think it's needed because, you know, we don't get a lot of this information mm-hmm. from the institutions in the Caribbean. And then we don't get it from, you know, a lot of these businesses. So where do we get it from? Somebody right. has to put that content out there. Right. And, you know, if not, if, if, if not, it could be me, it could be anybody, but you know, right now it's me. No, you're a, you're a bomb educator. So I, so this, and this is what intrigues me. I want to know how you got to this, to this point. So even when you're going through school, um, like a lot of persons who have, who have spoken to most of the persons who've been you know, the most hungry. They've been the go-getters. They've been the ones to come up with solutions for problems. All came from homes that were, were either lacking financially or lacking socially. And so it naturally made them a lot more aware of what was going on around them and how they could hustle a lot of the times. Was that ever, was that ever a factor for you growing up? Or would you say, you know, you had a comfortable, yeah, you had a comfortable lifestyle. I think for me, um, one of the biggest challenges I had was, um, and I've only, I only understand this now, um, but my parents, my mom, my stepdad, them going through their constant battles throughout the years mm-hmm. isolated me. And I always had to figure things out. Mm. Right? I always had to figure things out and I remember there was a rapper named Styles P from the Locks. 
And I remember he had he had a line in the song, and that line has always stuck with me for better and and got me into a lot of trouble. Was you got to get it, get it how you live, legally or illegally. Uh-huh. And when people her backs against the walls. There are some people where the avenues that they can think of are legal methods. And then there's avenues that other people think of that are legal methods. Mm-hmm. So I... And, for the, and, and I don't even mean to cut you. And for those of us who studied mm-hmm. physics, we were taught that current takes a path of least resistance. And so right. the, the, the easiest path that is going to give you the results that you need is usually the path that you want to you wanna go, you wanna go take. So you go ahead, baby. Proceed. Yeah, so like, it, it for me, my mind was always like, yo, I, I, at, at a point in time, I never felt like I had the support because both my parents are both in their own issues mm-hmm. and they can't see past that. So, you know, if I if I needed to, to, to get money to, to, to get a card or do anything, it was going to have to be from me. And during that time period, me and my mom used to bump heads a lot. And How old I were you then? Out. How old were I you? About, I was about 16, 17. 16, okay. Um, 16, 17, where we started to really, really bump heads. And at that point in time, I got kicked out the house. And from when I got kicked out of the house in like, it was like 2005, my relationship with my parents was never the same from that. And yeah. Because I was on my... Yeah, I've, I've always heard about you know, children getting kicked out, like 16, you're still a minor. You, you know, like you're a minor. I'm trying to think of what I was doing at 16. I was probably playing, playing money football with a fudgy stick on a bench. I, I don't know what my first, I don't know where I would go. I don't know what I would do. I still have school to attend. I'm assuming I still have responsibilities. What, how did you process that? Like, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think you process. I think you just in survival mode where you're trying to get what you can get like now for now. Right. And even though I was, I was smart and I was able to get um, good jobs. Like I seen a meme the other day that had me dying was um, life in Toronto means having a nine to five and, 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 and doing illegal activities on the side <laughs> to make <laughs> And I'm like, that's facts. Because for me, I always had like some form of a legal hustle on the side. Like I was never selling drugs, but like I did like a lot of credit card scams, Mm -hmm. a bunch of crap that actually landed me into problems with the law. And um, it was always in, it was always, I was always doing stuff just to try to stay afloat and try to figure out the next step. Did your mom know this? And is this a part of the reason why you guys bumped heads? Like, did she find out and be like, yo, you know, you're a disgrace after we do all of this and send it to school. You know, you know how, you know how Caribbean, (laughs) come on now. You know Caribbean people. Like, was that one of the reasons why? No, when I got kicked out, I wasn't even on it. I wasn't wasn't even on anything illegal. Okay, got got, you. I I, I feel like, I feel like when I got kicked out, it was more about my parents Mm. And me not being on good terms with them. Yeah. Every single thing I did was a problem. Right or wrong was a problem. Right. So it was, it, it was a lot happening with them. There was a lot of tension in my house growing up. And I always felt like if what, it doesn't matter what I did, whatever I did was a problem, right? Wrong was a problem. And I never felt like 
I could go to any one of them for anything. So I always had that mindset of, yo, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> you got to figure it out. Yes. You got to figure it out. So she, she told you to piece out the joint. You are in survival mode. You're between the ages of 16, 17, um, which now makes you at risk. That's, that's what would probably, you would constitute, a, you know, at risk or a vulnerable black male youth. What, what, what do you do? What, 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 like what? Luckily, luckily at the time, like um, the first time I got kicked out was I, I had... Like I tell you, I grew up with Jamaicans. <laughs> like we're the best. We the best. Like I grew up. So at the time, like the closest people to me was my homegirl, and I was living with her. I was living with her and her family for, and they're Jamaican. So I was mm-hmm. living with them for for like a year, and then I, eating rice and peas, eating your rice and peas, and. <laughs> Listen to me. So I was with them for like for like almost a year, and then I I moved back home, and I probably was there for maybe a couple of months, and then I got kicked back out again. And at that time, I was dating somebody, so I was living with her. So I asked my daughter's mom. I moved in with my daughter's mom, and I was with my daughter's mom for for a couple of years before I moved out and got my own place. Wow. Okay. So for the year that you were you are now with a you know you're with your Jamaican family, which is I'm going to call yeah. them. Did mommy ever, mommy or daddy say, hey, what's going on? Don't do this. Come back. No. Like, what's going on? So what made you decide to give it a go? Is it because you had to leave no, or because there was some olive branch that was extended at that time? No, it, 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 it I think at the time, at the time too, my Jamaican family, they were going through their own problems. Oh, so, <laughs> they were going to their own. It must have own. been festive. It must have been festive. Yeah, like it, they were going to their own things or whatever, and it it just it just got to a point where I'm like, you know what, like, you know, let me let me see if I can go back home because they got their own things to work out too. Um, and I had reached out to my mom and I asked if I can come back, and she said, yeah. And you were making it through school and doing everything normal for that for that for that year or that, that period of time, you were normal? Cause that's not normal. Well, I don't know what normal <laughs> is, but I think, I think, I think for me, I think maybe, I think for me, I've always, I don't think things really affected me the way that it would affect somebody else. Like mm-hmm. I have, I'm still to this day, a very, silver lining type of person. I always see the best in every single, every single situation. And because I'm always trying to figure out how to do better and improve upon wherever I'm at, yeah. um, I don't allow myself to get down. So like, you know, this is, this is what it is. And right. even, I was a jolly person even in jail. Like I was just... Which we're going to get to. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there, you know. But, you know, wherever, whatever problems I'm at, my mindset was always, yo, all right, you messed up, but here's the scene. This is, this is what we got to do. This is mm-hmm. what we got to do to make sure that these things don't ever happen again. And, you know, that's always my mindset. So I've just never gotten down to a point where, you know, I'm, I'm going to school and, like, I'm dragging my feet or you can see that I'm set. like, you just never know because I'm always constantly trying to work on 
the situation and work on myself. And that, that sounds like, and it sounded like a coping mechanism that worked for you. Like that was just your way of, of coping and making it through and just getting the day done. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So you call moms and you say, moms, I know it's been a year. Yeah, we ain't talking. But, <laughs> you know, can I, can I come home? And she yeah. says, sure. No issues, yeah. no nothing. She says, come home. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was there any improvement or did you guys try to improve whatever relationship you guys might have had that was damaged? Like, did you guys try or was it just a, I'm going to stay over here, you stay over there, and we're just going to do what we got to do? Yeah, it was, it was that. It was, it was definitely that. Um, we, never really, we never really reconciled because, like I said, my, the biggest problem was never me, my brother, my sister. It was always my mom and my dad were going through their problems. Mm-hmm. So it starts right there. And until they fix that, you know, we are going to be subjected to whatever spills over. Mm-hmm. And me being the firstborn, I felt like I caught, I caught the brunt of everything. Yeah, right? you were the first. I caught the brunt. I was the first. I caught the brunt of everything. Um, so it was, it was, when I moved back, it was, yo, I just, yo, I'm just a fly on the wall. Pretend I'm not here. <laughs> you know, just let me, let me make it to my room and, you know, and let me leave all of y'all alone. Like, I'll just be here in my own little corner. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this. I mean, I know you can't speak for everyone who, who comes from, you know, dysfunctional families um, a lot of the times you know I've been asked you know about being uh, raised by a single mom and you know you know daddy issues which I told them I never had you know I can't miss what I didn't have and and so for some people you know not having fathers made them better stronger um, and for other persons we've seen where they've been you know lacking in their lives yeah. um, and I've always wanted to know you know what's your opinion about parents who think it's better to stay together, even if it's dysfunctional, even if it is abusive for the, for the kids. Like we always hear parents say, you know, we stay together for the kids. And I've often said, yeah, but a lot of the times the toxicity that takes place in those relationships shape and mold your kids. They might be small human beings, but they're processing, they're analyzing, they're learning what's going on. And that can, that can screw them up for the rest of their lives with relationships and everything else. So like, you speaking here about how that really just was the one thing. It was the pain that kind of really bothered you and, and affected you in one way or another. Like, what's your opinion about, about, about parents Break who just... Break the hell up. Break the hell up. Because that, that affected me. And, I, and, I, and I, see, I see how that affected me now more than... Now as an adult, mm-hmm. as a child. But... Um, because they, them two were so toxic together, everybody was alienated. Like none of us were close. So you're in a house with five people and everybody stuck to their corner. Yeah. Everybody stuck. Like we, there was no, like, you know, you have a living room where people come together and do stuff. At some point in time. Yeah. No, it was like, yo, I remember I would come downstairs and I would see somebody in the kitchen and be like, oh, (laughs) let me come back when it's empty. You know, really, and I just be there cross my fingers like, yo, I'm hungry. I hope they don't sit down by the table to eat. Like, because, yeah, yeah, 
take yeah. your food to your room because I'm hungry. Like, you know what I mean? And yeah, no, it was, it was really toxic. And, and like to show you how bad it was, it's 2020. My parents just finalized a divorce two months ago. Wow. I was about to ask if they were still together, you know. They've just fought. They, they split since like 2015 and they just, so five years of even like court drama, they just finalized wow. their divorce two months ago. And how did your siblings take it? I mean, I know based on your personality and I've, I've had the amazing opportunity to know you as a person and you really are the jolly green giant. Like you really are happy-go-lucky. You know, you control what you can control. What you can't control, you're like, well, well whatever. Yeah. How about your siblings? Do they have similar personalities to you or did they kind of take it differently? So, uh, good question. So, my brother, my younger brother, my brother is 21. Mm-hmm. My brother, so I'm born December 10th. My brother's born December 9th. <laughs> we, are, we, are, we are hours apart from being born on the same day, right? What? Uh, my brother, my younger brother is, is, is scary, scarily like me. Like, it's scary how much we are alike. And... I'm still monitoring him because he's mm-hmm. 21 now. I'm still monitoring him, but me and him are one and the same. He is another tech head. He's in, he's in university now doing his thing, and things don't get to him. And I'm just, I, I've been waiting for him to show a sign because he has been in the mess. Remember, I got kicked out Correct. in 2006. Correct. But he and was still there. He grew, he grew up in it. So I've been always waiting for him to see where is that chink. And he has, he has been like me. He just kept to himself, kept to his devices, you know, just learns a lot online and just kept himself busy. My sister, though, nobody even knows I have a sister because I never really even talk about my sister. And wow. it just goes to show that, you know, me and my sister, if me and my brother went right, my sister went left. Went left. And she screwed up. Like I oh, think, man. I think this, I think this situation really messed with her, um, because like my sister is twenty six or twenty seven, mm-hmm. and my sister's been dating a man older than both of our parents, oh, Caucasian wow. man, Caucasian man, older than both of our parents, you know, and it's not even like a, he's rich, like he's a bum. You were like, you were like, this would have been better if homeboy was like fully taking care of her. But like now, he 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 out here. He's asking my mom if if he could borrow the car. Like it's 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 wild. It's it's wild, you know. So like, yeah, like no, it's it's hit my it's hit my sister completely differently. Um, I don't even speak to my sister. It's been years. You guys think you'll ever be able to reconcile, even though there was nothing really there, you know, no argument, no, no, nothing. But would you guys think that at some point in time, you'll be able to fix it? Me and my sister, me and my sister have a lot of tension. Okay. We've had a lot of tension over the years, um, but I haven't spoken to her in a few years, so I don't have nothing. I don't have no no issue. No ill will. I I reached out. I reached out maybe like a year ago. I never got a response. So I just know that, okay, there's tension on that side still. So just keep it, keep it moving. Yeah. Whenever she comes around, she comes around, but 
Um, yeah, no, it, it's, it's it, for parents, like there's no, don't do the stick together be for, for the kids because that's the crap that both of my parents said. And it has been toxic, exhausting for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's affected all of us in our own way. I know for me, as much as everybody sees me jolly, jolly go lucky and everything, I have a problem with, I have a problem with, um, I have a problem committing to people or, or being close to people. Not to but people. I thought, but I thought we were getting married, Caron. Like what, 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 what? Like, <laughs> listen, Caron, no, I so thought I, we were going to get I take, married. I take the, listen, I, we are, we are, we are. I take the committing part back. My problem is getting close to people. Like mm-hmm. it's trust. Just, I just, I just, if I trust you, I trust you, but nothing in my spirit makes me feel to get close to people. Yeah. Because I've been in my space alone in my room for so long that I'm yeah. accustomed to not having people around. Right. You know, so you make that, good, you make very good company. I mean, we need to change that. You make some really good company. I mean, I'm just I'm just saying. Let me just put it out there. You know, you socialize very. Funny enough, you don't come across as socially awkward. You're very comfortable, and I guess, um, I, I guess that is what what we're going to try to talk about in terms of how your personality has shaped over the years, right. coming from what it's coming from. Um, you know, going back home and just saying, all right, let's just sit tight. Let's hold tight. You get kicked out again. And now you, you don't have the Jamaican friends, but you're dating someone. So you're like, all right, cool. We're going to get together. We're going to make a child. Yeah. And all that. Yeah. All that. But, but how do you structure and survive? Are, are you even thinking of planning like, you know, future? Are you even thinking at this point about what the future lies, where you see yourself in five years, or are you literally just going, you know what, let me just try to make it for this year, this month. I don't know. Like what's your mindset like at that period in time? So that's, that's probably, that's the other thing that, that has a a very big effect on me is I can't plan because I'm always in the now. Like don't ask me about next week, next month. Like I'm like even to this day, and that's why that's why you see me go so hard because I try to do as much as I can per day. <laughs> because you know, next month, next year, I've never planned. Like it is hard for me to plan because my life has never been stable. That makes you unorthodox, though. That makes you very unorthodox because the experts and the gurus and everybody else will tell you you got to plan, you got to have a strategy. If you, you know, success success doesn't come if you don't have a plan. So right now, yeah. it's like you, you you're probably making you're blowing people's minds right now with the whole I don't plan thing. Yeah, like I don't like I don't plan. Like I have like I have ideas. I have I have things that I. I tap into that I'm passionate about. And so like, you know, I, I'll say I want to do something, but when I say I want to do something, I'm not the person that's going to sit down and create a roadmap for three to five years. and stru- I'm going to say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it. And, and, I, see. and I know that personally about <laughs> you were in a conversation. You were like, Hey, I'm going to start my digital show. And you went from T, I'm going to start my digital show to T. Anyways, I'm launching the digital show. And I'm like, what? In two months, like you, 
you got it done. And if it's anything, and I think it's, it's I, I actually think it's a beautiful trait and I tend to like unorthodox people. Uh, Chadwick Boseman uh, passed away, uh, Black Panther. And, mm-hmm. you know, it really shook me, right, Karen? Like it shook me to the core. I'm not someone who really, you know, cries over celebrities because we all understand that we're all human and we're all going to die at some point. But his yeah. death shook me to the core. And I think one of the greatest things that I really appreciated about him was the fact that he lived every single day. Like there was no long planning, hope to do, hope to do. He was given a specific amount of time and the amount of things that he got done and the amount of people who he touched in a positive, meaningful manner took place because this man was in the now. Yes. And he gave his best in the now. And so I hear you speaking and it's like, I don't want people to feel like when you say you're not a planner, it mean like anything come just are going to do. Like that's not, that's, <laughs> that's not what you're saying. It is the fact that when you have conceptualized something, it isn't to execute 10 years from now, but the fact is that you're going to get it done Correct. right now. Correct. And I'm going to, what I will write down is everything I need. Like, mm-hmm. what do I need to, so for everything that I want to do, the first question I'm asking myself is, what do I need to learn? What do I need to learn to get this done? And, you know, people ask me, a, a question people ask me all the time is, you know, like, um, who do you outsource to? And, you know, who, <laughs> who do you bring aboard onto the team? And I'm like, listen, man. A one-man show. <laughs> listen, like, like. You can't be a one-man show forever. Cool, True. I understand that. But right now, I'm not doing anything that I feel like I need to... Like, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so excited to learn all this stuff and put it to practice and then put it into my routine that I just keep on stacking skills, stacking skills and putting into my routine and doing and results keep on happening. So when people come and say, well, you know, do you need to hire, you know, a, a video man to do this? I'm like, I done learned this skill. <laughs> and it's in my routine to just do. Do you, you think know? that's a disadvantage? Do you think it's a disadvantage where one people either don't um, know the, they, they use the tech, but they don't always understand the value, the tools and the systems that can really help them manage a lot of things that they don't need to outsource? Or, or do you also think it's a disadvantage when people just kind of rely on other people to bring in the skill to them? So it's a disadvantage. Um, I think people are very apprehensive about learning the technology mm-hmm. um, because there, are, there, are, there is literally, you, you, I tell you this all the time, there is a tool for everything. <laughs> you prove it to me. Yeah, there's a tool for everything. And I think because people have an apprehension to technology and learning technology, they would rather outsource it rather than learn the tool needed and implement it within their, within their, within their day-to-day processes, right? Correct. And then the second thing is, um, repeat the second question you had for me. Um, was, 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 learning, was, was, was learning the tech and also learning the skill, like taking the time to develop the skill and to actually learn rather than always just outsourcing, getting someone else to do it. So here is the problem with outsourcing. When you outsource, you are relying on other people. You're relying on, and sometimes, especially when you're a startup entrepreneur and you don't have the money, you are looking for people you could partner with. Collaborate. um, Mm -hmm. That you Mm -hmm. could collaborate with or you can barter with. But then 
you're relying on them to come through at their time when they can deliver for you because you're not paying them, right? And because you're not paying them, they don't have you top of mind. <laughs> you ain't a priority, boo. You're not a priority, right? And the work you're going to get is never going to be their best work or whatever. So for me, I got burned. Like I got burned early where um, I wanted to do tech videos. Mm -hmm. I'm not a videographer. I don't have no camera. And I connected with a couple of people that were videographers that were into tech. And we'd set plans and like, like two weeks straight, Ghosted. We're supposed to meet up ghosted. You don't hear from them. So then I started, I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I need to learn. I need to develop a process that I don't have to rely on anybody mm -hmm. that I can achieve my goals with this process. And it's just me. So it's, it's, I wake up it everything relies on me to get this thing done. And that's why I, st I started blogging because blogging I learned how to do web development. I learned how to do SEO, blog, create content. I could be consistent with that, and I don't need anybody to Correct. get involved. Correct. Correct. You are in control of that. I'm in control. So, you know, you're learning all these skills so that you can execute and do it. And then, you know, time passes, and those people who ghosted you all of a sudden, hey, you want to collaborate again? No. <laughs> <laughs> You better get from around here. Better move. Like, no. So if you are relying on people, like, unless you are established and you have the money, we're now, you're not relying on people. You're hiring people for a service. Which is different. Right? Mm -hmm. Which is different. But when you are starting up and you don't have that money and you're trying to barter or, or get goodwill from people, no, learn that skill because I do not want this, my success to be held up waiting for other people. Yeah, it hinges. It hinges on their ability to come through for you. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. So I'd rather learn this shit myself and do what I can mm -hmm. until better can be done. I hear that. I hear that. All right. All right. I hear you. I see, <laughs> I see the fire in your eyes. No, I, I hear that. I hear that. So um, I don't know if you've watched the Michael Jordan um, uh, Netflix. I don't even know if you watch Netflix because you're always doing something in your studio, right? <laughs> so you know how it. You, so you see where they go forward, and then they kind of carry you back, you know, in that in that timeline. So yes. I'm gonna move back yes. now in the timeline. Um, so boom, you know, how does? I, I mean, I heard you mention, and I've even seen you post it saying, "Yeah, you end up in jail." Like, mm -hmm. why? Or more comfortably. What did anything go through, or was that a point of redirection for you? I don't know. You tell me. Um, yeah, jail was definitely redirection. <laughs> um, I think, but not not from not from the system perspective. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I did not get reformed in jail. Like the system did not reform me. Most people don't. What most people don't. They just come up better criminals. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Hardened, right? hardened, yeah. more hardened criminals. Because the system designed that once you make that mistake, you know, it, it, it's easier for you to keep on committing mistakes because they just cut up all your resources, mm -hmm. right? And for me, um, I got sent to jail multiple times for committing fraud, credit card scams, and, and scamming my workplace at the time. 
so that I could earn extra money so that I could live because yeah. <laughs> I had nothing to my name. And what happened in, 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 in jail was I got to meet some extremely smart people, <laughs> but then I also got to meet people who were in situations that I got to learn from. Right? Got you. One of the biggest lessons I learned, one of the biggest lessons I learned was um, the system is not designed to help you win. Hmm. You are going to have to figure things out. And I got to see people who literally don't have access to resources. Mm-hmm. And their only thing that they could see at the time was, was a life of crime. Right. And even when you tried to get out of it, there wasn't no, you, you couldn't get a job. No alternative. There's no alternatives, right? Um, and I got to sit down and, and think and just slow down, think about, you know, things that I want to do, things that I like. Um, and, just, and just take some time away from, from everything. Mm-hmm. Because the one, thing, the one thing about jail was that I wasn't living, so I, I wasn't in, the, in the, the stressful environment of my mom's house. And I didn't feel like I had to walk around on eggshells. Right. Everything was, was you know, everything was, was a system. You wake up at a certain time, eat at a certain time, and you're just killing Routine, time, right? yep. Routine, right? Um, I got to read, I got to chill, crack some jokes, and just, and just take my time. Now, here's the thing. Where the real redirection happened for me was... I got caught up, like when I moved to Trinidad. So when I moved to Trinidad um, in 2013, I wasn't, I still wasn't on good terms with my mom. I never told my mom I moved to Trinidad. She just Whoa. heard. Whoa. Just heard, right? Yeah, I didn't tell nobody. I just moved. I packed my stuff and I was like, yo, I need a change. Because, so what, what made me decide to move to Trinidad was from 2009 Every time I would come home, I'm like, yo, Trinidad always felt like home. Yeah. Like my family's here. I just love being here from since I was young. Trinidad felt like home. But 2009, I realized, yo, I'd love to move back. Then when, um, when, I, when I came out of jail in 20, like the early 2013, mm-hmm. um, I was only there for like four months. But when I came out and I was going to my, my probation officer, what pushed me to move to Trinidad was she was, when I asked her, I'm like, I'm like, I have a question for you. So I'm like, yo, if you have a record, right? Right. You can't get a job, right? Cause they're doing background checks. I'm like, you have, you have landlords are now doing criminal background checks. Correct. I'm like, what are people supposed to do? And she's like, honestly, you have to vote and hope that the next prime minister makes changes. Because as wow. of right now, I don't have an answer. So she says that, right? And I'm like, yo, how? So what, what, what happens to us if, 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 um, if, again, today for today, we can't get no job, we can't get no place, we can't get no place to live? And then she started telling me about how um, the law in Canada changed um, in like 2012 where we no longer have pardons in Canada. You can't get a pardon in Canada. We have something called a suspension of records in Canada. And that suspension of records means that you, 
at 10 years, after 10 years of your, of your, of your, of your, of your offense, you could apply for a record suspension and it will allow you to, for the employers not to see it, but the law can use your entire record against you at any point in time. Wow. Right. So, so you definitely walking on eggshells, even though you could possibly get a job faster, you still are looking over your shoulder. After 10 years. After 10 years. Yeah. Pardon. Pardon was five years. Suspension of records is switched to 10 years now. Right. 10 years of you, you at the wrong place, wrong time. And all of a sudden they could throw your entire record at you. Oh yeah. Like, so it made less and less and less sense. And then I had my daughter too. And I'm like, yo, I'm like everything that I'm like, everything is set up. And it's only when you actually get in, get involved in the system, do you realize the rat trap? Mm-hmm. Right? And everything was set up for a recommittal. Like every, the whole stage was set up for me to recommit. I'm not talking to my mom. Family problems is bad. I no longer have a job. Like everything with the stage was set for me to go back. And I was like, you know what? I took some time and I decided, you know what? I think if there was ever a time mm-hmm. I need to move, it's now is it originally now now is it because i was looking at either moving to another province in canada to go work in the oil fields and just get a fresh start over there but i'm like yo minus 30 degree weather and working 14 <laughs> days on, three days on. Like, none of that is appealing <laughs> none of that is appealing so i decided so i have dual citizenship right so um i decided you know what let me come to trinidad and I thought to myself that maybe I would live in Trinidad for like two years tops. And then right? bust out. And then, and then come back to Toronto with, with a new frame of mind, a new scope, and maybe mm-hmm. things change so I could, I could maneuver and do my thing. And it, it so happened that, um, that I'm here in Trinidad. I get a job. I'm learning, I'm learning the ins and outs in the Caribbean. Um, or learn, learning the ins and outs in Trinidad and just settling in and just enjoying my life. And tragedy struck again. And this is where the real redirection for me happened. Mm-hmm. 2016. So life for me in Trinidad, I, I really start from January 2014. So two years later, so before, like for that two years, I'm working, doing jobs and whatnot. Tragedy happened. 2016, I remember I woke up getting ready. Um, I have my son at this point. My son's a year old. Right. And I'm getting ready to go drop off Pampers and formula and some money for, for him and his mom. And they live like 45 minutes away from me. Right. Right. So I jump in my car and I'm driving and I pass over an intersection. And I remember seeing a police officer on a bike, on, a, on his motorcycle, and he's texting. I'm seeing he's texting, right? I pass, over the, I pass over the intersection, and at that point, the light was yellow, and I think when he looked up... It was I, red. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it looked like I ran the red light to him because his, he was texting, <laughs> right? So he comes, pulls me over, and he's like, um, pulls me over license registration. So at the time, I had I only had my Canadian license. Right? Mm-hmm. I didn't have a Trinidad license. So I give him my Canadian license, and the man's like, "Well, yo, where, where's, where's your passport?" I'm like, 
I don't walk on. Why passport. would you? Yeah, I'm like, but we, we don't typically walk on with our passports. Right. I'm like, why would I have my, I'm like, I don't, why would I have my passport? I'm like, you walk in the country, immigration tells you to lock your passport up and don't walk around with it. He's like, well, did you know it's against the law to drive around with a, a, a license from another country and you don't have your passport with you? Ooh. I'm like, no. I like, didn't yeah. know that. Like, He's like, that's a jailable offense, my friend. So I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> because <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is going on? So yo, so I'm not. Now the thing is, in Canada, there's no, there's no driving offense that could land you in jail. Like fake license, fake ins- none of that is a jailable offense. But you, Just- but you come home to Trinidad and now. Yeah, so he, so he's like, yo, he's like, so you, you don't have your passport on you? So I'm like, no. He's like, all right, sit tight. And he called the supervisor. Supervisor, they pull up with a couple of officers, whatever, and they're just like, you know, yeah, what's the problem? He's like, man's driving with his Canadian license, doesn't have his passport. So they're like, so the lady's like, all right, well, you know what to do? Cough him up. No, you're joking. Dead serious. I thought they were going to give you a blight. I thought they were going to be like, all right, so you know, now you know what's going on. Either you need to get a local license or you have to walk with your passport if you, wow. Just no. (laughs) So they, they had me, so they cuffed me up. And to to tell you how crazy this is, is after they done cuffed me up, they're like, hey, do you have anybody you can call to go drive your car home? <laughs> you should have told him your one year old son. <laughs> right, you know. So my cousin takes my car home, whatever. So I get to the police station now. So I'm there for three days. Hold on. What do you mean? I'm in the police station for three days. You, there's no bail money? Listen, I don't know much about this except for when I watch Law and Order, okay? And yeah. CSI. <laughs> I don't know. I'll be very honest yeah. with you. I, I take a lot of things for granted because all I see is the movies. And yeah. I'm almost positive at some point in time, you get a little bail money. If you get jail on the weekend, I think you're stuck there until Monday, I think. I'm not even sure. Yeah. So, so, for, for, so here... There is no, there is no, like, there's, there's very, there's a certain amount of offenses where you could get, you can, you could bail yourself out, but the majority of offenses, you have to go in front of a magistrate, right? So the reason, the reason I was there for three days was because they spent two days trying to verify if I was in the country legally. I'm like, you guys have my wallet. You have my Trinidad ID. There is no way I can be in this country illegally. Unless you are, a, oh my God. I'm a citizen. That's like, that's like the, the people telling you, Terry, you know, you, you trying to verify if you are in Jamaica illegally. Right. How? You are a citizen. <laughs> there, is no, there is no way that you could be here illegally, right? So they had me for two days trying to verify with immigration if I was here illegally, even though they had my Trinidad ID. They come back and they're like, they come back after two days and they're like, they're like, well, good news. We, we checked with immigration and your story checks out. You're here illegally. <laughs> well, you're like, well, good news. This is, this is not news to me because I know is, I've been right. a resident. So, so like, what? right. So then he's like, so then the officer is like, but he's like, but we have another problem. I'm like, Jesus Christ, what is the problem? 
He's like, we checked the insurance for the car and it's, it's not a valid insurance. I'm like, what are you telling me right now? What are you telling me right now? And here's the messed up part, right? Here's the, here's the messed up part is we know that in the, in the islands, everything is a who you know, right? So people don't, people don't necessarily always go to companies to get things done. If I know, hey, you're in insurance and you do thing, I'm going to go to you on the side or whatever to go organize. So the insurance I had for my car was from an insurance agent who does insurance, but I never went through, I never went into his company. <laughs> oh or whatever, my God. Right? So it turns out. It turns you, out dumb, you dumb islanders need to do it the right way. Listen, we always cutting corner. Why? Why Islanders? Listen, or why West Indians always trying to cut corner? <laughs> we don't want to join line. We don't want to call nobody. We don't want to email anybody. We know a man who know a man, and we just yo sort out the thing. <laughs> then you get bite. Continue. <laughs> that, that's exactly it. So yo, the man tell me to think that good. I said wait, but again, coming from Canada, that is that's a fine. Like if you have a fake insurance or whatever, that's a fine. Like worst case scenario, if you get caught two, three times with fake insurance, they just take your license. But there's no, it's not no, no big thing, right? So anywho, I go in front of the magistrate for the third day. So my family hires a lawyer. Um, my lawyer, my lawyer sees me before the court case. He's like, listen, you don't have no record. This is not no big thing. They spoke to the opposition. They spoke to the crown. Mm-hmm. Crown already done said. You know, they have no beef. They Everything cool. They're good with the fine. They're good with the fine. You pay the fine and, and you go home. You're going home today. So, you know, you get in front of the magistrate. My lawyer does the talking. Yes, he's a dual citizen. He has his own business. He's an upstanding citizen. Tink, 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 tink. You see when this man said, I'm a dual citizen? That was the problem. Oh my God! Cause because now your other people they come into play. No, no, that was, oh. that that's fine. The, oh, when my my heart started no. to race because I said, Lord God, no, they're going to find out that <laughs> oh. you have thing and thing in Canada. Yeah. No, they're going to kick no. you out to the country. Yeah. Okay. No, oh. no, I'm, oh. I'm home, so like I'm good oh. here, right? Jesus. So the problem was when he said do a citizen. The, 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 the magistrate starts talking both. So he has a business here. He has a business back in Canada. And oh he, can, he can go to Canada anytime he wants. And he, he's like, well, he's a dual citizen. So yeah, she's like, oh, okay, she's heard enough. She's like, I'm sentencing him to six months hard labor. How? Oh, so everybody's like, how? <laughs> but what's the, what's the, what's the rationale? Well, uh, I'm- so the rationale, so my grandmother has a cousin who's a magistrate as well. And when she probed and found out like, why, why on earth does somebody who has no record, no nothing for a freaking a license for, for an insurance, why are you giving him jail and not a fine? She was like, uh, oh, well, he could leave at any point in time and skip the fine. Wow. You are a flight risk. You are what they consider to be a flight yeah. risk. You have no yeah. ties as far as she's concerned. You don't have yeah. anything that's so holding you here. I, she's like, in her, in, her, in her mind, she could give me a fine and I just not pay it. I just go back to Canada. Right? So they held me there to get their pound of flesh. But you see, 
so everybody that was a part of that process, the officers were pissed off because like, you know, this is, these are the days it's hard to be a police officer when the people with gun and, and, and drugs are getting bail and you get in jail for nonsense, right? Wow. She, that magistrate, I don't even know her name. I don't even remember her face. She gave me the biggest blessing. And that blessing was that jail, that, that period of time. What? I got to do nothing. Because you see that time, Terry, one of these days I'll, I'll pull up my book that I was my journal from jail. And I planned. By the way, that could be a great name. That could be a great name for a book, by the way. My journal from jail. Journal from jail. <laughs> that's that's yeah, you know pretty what? dope. I might, I, might, I, might have to, I might have to, you know, I might have yeah. to, yeah. So you were saying yeah, about Droid Island. I, I planned Droid Island from jail. And Droid Island for out. listeners, for, for listeners who are like, what? Droid Island, what, what is that? Yeah, that's, that, is, that, is my, that is my business. That is my business I started in 2016 when I came out of prison, like within a month, I started it. Registered the business. Um, I started to blog about technology. Um, I learned web development to build Droid Island. I learned SEO. I learned everything that I talk about was built to build Droid Island. And I planned Droid Island in jail. Yeah. yeah. So well, if I that is not there. the biggest redirection in my life, I don't know what is. Mm-hmm. And my thing was, my thing was, there will never be another situation that will happen to put me where I could be in a situation behind bars. And here's the icing on the cake. Within three weeks, three to four weeks of me starting Droid Island, it made such noise because of what I was doing that within a month, I got called from our biggest TV network here, ready to interview me and feature me on Tech Thursday within a month of me leaving jail. Here's the cherry. Here's the cherry. And if you don't believe there is a God, trust when I say there's a God. On the way to the interview, seven o'clock in the morning, I done lost a ton of weight. I'm in shape again. I look good. I'm in a shirt, tie, everything clean. When I'm getting ready to, to, to cross the street to get to the building where the studio is, I hear somebody calling my name. Hey, Mr. Karen, Mr. Karen. I look back and a police officer is coming towards me. And I'm like, yo, who the hell oh is Oh my this? God. The officer says, "Wait, you, you, look, you look good. You, you get out already? I'm like, who? I'm like, that's the officer that arrested me for it. <laughs> The officer for not having your passport. For not having my passport. He seen me and called me and he's like, yo, you're looking. He's like, get out already? Yeah, man, you look good. You look good. And the I'm man like, said the blessings on you. Listen to me. When it clicked, because I don't forgot his face too. When it clicked who it was, I was like, oh. Yeah, it's man, you. Thank good. you. You never said yeah, thank, thank you. you. That, but that's exactly what I said. I said, thank you. And you, sir, you have a wonderful day. And I crossed the street, jumped into the studio, and from that day, my name's been on the map. From that day, being on TV. Android Island, uh, for those who are like, so, all right, cool. Is this a tech thing? Android Island became your, your, your business and your hub for selling, like, smartphones and um, 
and anything accessories, anything that was related to this, this just smartphones or was it also smartphone, tablets? Smartphone education was the big thing, teaching mm-hmm. everybody how to use the technology, use the smartphone technology. Mm-hmm. So I'm constantly blogging about that. But as a source of income, I was selling the products as well. So I'm creating the content, educating people on technology. Right? Then driving them. Then driving them to the e-commerce to purchase the products. Because you know what? When I was in jail here in Trinidad, I had to sit down and think like, yo, like, what do you really want to do? Mm-hmm. And it took me back to when I was six and thinking about educating people on technology and really doubling down on that. So would you say that being in jail in Trinidad was where you were able to really um, become very granular and where your passion and purpose both kind of just intertwined, where passion was always tech and your purpose was probably using this vehicle and this channel to educate others and to empower others in their facets of their lives? You did this in jail. In jail. And you know what? If... If that never, if that situation never happened, because think about it, right? The world is moving at light speed. Astronomically fast. The the world hasn't slowed down until coronavirus. True. Right? Coronavirus slowed the world down and everybody got to take a little breather and learn new things and and make changes. Otherwise, we're just so caught up in day-to-day life. Correct. When you're in jail, you know, you're in a different world. You know, the outside world doesn't matter. You left your own, your own resources. And when I was there, I was actually working in the kitchen and um, I would have to serve the people doing life. Mm. And the lifers just want to talk because, well, there's nothing else to do. There's nothing else to do. They ain't going nowhere. And one of the guys, one of the guys I was cool because he was funny. So me and him would talk every time I have to go and serve, whatever. And when I had told him the story of what what happened with me, and he's like, he was the only person that said, he's like, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. It's good. You should be here. And I was like, I was like, what the hell is this man talking about? How how do you even look at somebody and tell them you 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 should be here in prison? The man said, he's like, you're supposed to be here and it's good because... You are going too fast. He's like, you're going too fast. He's like, this is this was put here to slow you down, relax yourself. He's like, the only thing you need to do is figure out what is the real reason you are here. There wow. is a reason you are here. That's a figure big speech. That out. And I'm like, who is this life we're telling this thing to? <laughs> You know, but you know, it's funny. No, no. What is funny for those of us who are believers is the fact that your God literally sends you messages. And if the Bible don't teach you anything, it tells you that he will use the most unassuming persons to deliver that message right when you need it. Fast. Correct. And you know what? And again, like at the time, you're not, you're not, you don't appreciate the message. I appreciate it now because now I can sit back and I'm like, yo, when people ask me, you know, like, you know, what, 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 what got you thinking about Joy Allen? I'm like, mm-hmm. boy. If I, if I ever tell you that story, <laughs> it was not walking with a passport and getting stopped for it. Wow. So you came out yeah. with Joy Island. So, 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 so 
I think, I guess a, a lesson out of that too is that even when something appears to be a roadblock, which I often talk about, that roadblock is there for a reason. A lot of the times we feel bothered, we're perturbed, we're angry even, we're disappointed. And a lot of the time that roadblock causes us to make a detour and it is in the detour that we kind of realize there's just so much more to this life, to this purpose that we have on this earth. And, it, and, and it's never too late. I think... It also shows you that, yo, it is never too late for you to start afresh, start anew, and just keep things going. So you bust out, you feature on Tech Thursdays, you doing your blog, you're selling your smartphones, your accessories, you're teaching people how to use the technology. I'm sure this is now going to attract bigger fish, bigger business. Because they say you get what you put out into the universe. And it sounded like you were being very intentional. Did you go to school or do any courses for marketing or PR? or Because people feel like you need to know and have a big team. And you have to do millions of courses that teaches you all of this to now get your personal and professional brand out there. So tell me, what did you do in order to attract yeah. the right so, people. So my, my ex at the time was big on digital marketing, right? Mm -hmm. And I had a mental block when it came to building websites because I went to school for it. I dropped out of my, out of my program because of web design. We was coding back then and I wasn't, wasn't for it. And she showed me, she's like, yo, you could just use, she's like, no, you, have you heard of WordPress? I'm like, She's like, you could use WordPress. And she showed me the fundamentals of WordPress. And the minute, what she did was that block I had to WordPress, the, the fundamentals that she showed me just broke all the barriers. And I was like a rabid dog after that, just reading everything I possibly could. A million, a million YouTube videos, a million forums I'm involved, a million little short courses I could do. And I just bought a lot of books. Mm -hmm reading and then I'd always watch other people's sites and try to figure out how they did it and try to practice and, and whatever and you know in, in doing that and just starting like the whole <laughs> thing was was I, I, I would read and then I might not even finish a paragraph because I'm racing to the computer to go try out what I learned in, 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 in two sentences right learning is in the doing it's in the doing and because I'm always doing 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 making mistakes, doing whatever. And the people around me, because we, we, we in the Caribbean don't want to experiment. We don't want to fail. We don't want to look like idiots though, Karen. That's the thing. We're afraid oh, of what correct. people are going to say. And we don't, we just want to be perfect. Correct. We don't want to be seen starting from the bottom. So people don't try. So when, so for me, like, for me, just always trying, it always looked like this man is always doing something. And y'all and people don't realize that I'm learning. <laughs> like I'm always doing and I'm always learning. So because I'm learning, I'm doing, I'm educating, everything's happening all at the same time. You know, people took notice right from the gate. So I was able to, in less than a year, I was able to land my first sponsorship. Wow. In less than a year. And when the first, and that's what I did, that was my sponsorship with Huawei. When I landed my first sponsored series with Huawei, everybody came knocking from them. Did you have to change anything about you in order to get 
um, more sponsors involved or to get more attraction because yeah, you're definitely doing what you're doing. You're doing your, mm-hmm. your, your, your blogs, you're selling your business, you know, you're really doing a, a great job at getting the right kind of content out there that is going to drive your business. But there's also this um, belief uh, since we're speaking about, you know, just us as a people and yes, it happens all over the world, but we're only really just focusing on like our people, right? We feel like there's a need for us to change who we are or to conform or to be a different type of person in order to attract better, bigger, nicer quality. What do you have to say in regards to that? So I, I hear that concern. And when I started, like if I, like I'm gonna send you a link to, see, to show you like my very first two videos. And mentally, because I was in the tech space and I wanted to do tech reviews and tech education, um, there was a preconceived persona in my head of what I needed to be like. So like I was talking all prim and proper and like it would just, it wasn't me, not based on the industry, but that was just based on my perception of what I thought a tech blogger had to look and sound like Mm -hmm. sound like right and the what happened for me was i stumbled across this big big one of the biggest tech bloggers in the world is a guy named flossie carter Mm -hmm. and flossie carter is from new york so he has a heavy accent accent, ball head these like you know he he lives in the gym tattooed makes like you know lewd jokes he, he cusses in his content. He's everything, you, he's everything a tech person is not, according to society. Every single thing. And he's doing this thing. And I'm like, this guy has like, like at the time, he had like 700,000 followers on, on, on YouTube. And I'm looking at his Instagram, and this man is shaking the hands of the Google CEO. He is in every single tech event. So I'm like, wait a minute, if the biggest of the biggest companies in the world are shaking this man's hand. And the, 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 killer, the killer for me was, he has a, he has a, he has a joke, right? Where um, our phones can do something where you could use one fingerprint to open up like the regular side of your phone. Mm-hmm. And the second fingerprint opens up like another side of your phone, right? And he calls it thought protection. He's like, if you want to do your clandestine activities, if you are whole and you want to do your thing, you need to have these type of operate. When Huawei mm-hmm. released a new phone and they tweeted, they tweeted a quote. They're like, and this phone comes with thought protection. Hashtag Flossie Carter. I said, my God, I said, you could literally do and say whatever you want. You yeah. can be on your terms. On your terms. And that changed everything for me. Now I'm not covered up. My tattoos are out. My beard is out. I'm talking how I talk. And it and because I built the following, they were never gonna come and tell me nothing. Right. Right. So they wanna tap in. Cool. We can we can collaborate. But this is me and this is what the people want. So nobody ever came to me saying, uh, 
you know, we can you kind of change this up? It was never that. It was because it was on your terms. But then let me ask you this, because I mean, I follow you naturally. Where we yeah. we speak, we speak all the time, and you're always build on a on a an, an event, whether it's a seminar, webinar, conference. Uh, you are usually there, especially when it has to do with e-commerce, tech, business, entrepreneurship, and using technology to leverage your business. Um, and a lot of the, the the headshots, you know, usually when you see the professionals on the flyers, you know, they're always in suit and tie or, you know, you have your power pose, you know, you, you learn to do your power pose because it's your professional branding headshot. Um, and then there's like you, you're usually laughing, you know, your mouth open, you're like me, very animated. Um, and, and that's just you. And I guess the question that I'm going to ask you, which I'm sure listeners might want to ask is, have you ever felt even though you are comfortable within yourself, who you are, and you know what you bring to the table and you have your own audience, but when you are invited to another table that is still quite traditional, quite institutional, and still very beige, do you ever feel like, oh, maybe I don't belong, or maybe I'll go put on that bow tie and that jacket just because? Like, what Have you ever gone through that process? Um, so I think about it. Mm-hmm. I think about it because the the rooms that the rooms that I get called to, the the platforms people ask me to speak, um, everybody you look at is traditional, and then I say, I'm coming here to blow everything up. <laughs> Here's my headshot. It's me tattoos out. There goes the neighborhood. There goes neighborhood. The shirt, like I'll, like, I'll show you a picture of the shirt. The shirt actually says, trust me, I'm a technophile. <laughs> <laughs> right? But I'm not here to play by your rules. Like, I'm not here to do any of that. Like, I'm not, like, coming from Canada, being in a system where you had to conform because that meant your life. <laughs> Have run-ins with police because you're black. This is the first time in my life that being in the Caribbean, I feel like I could do whatever the hell I want. Which is interesting. And I'm going to tell you why it's interesting. Because as much as the islands um, are known for, no problem, man. You know, we see it on the shirts all yeah. the time. We have this very laid back. We don't really care about nothing. We just come here to enjoy our life. Even though that is a brand, uh, an aura, an experience that we sell. If you speak to the average, I, I can only speak about like the Jamaicans here, you can't enter government buildings unless you're wearing something. You can't enter, and, and, and I'm not saying that we don't need rules, right? Because we understand that if you don't have certain kind of guidelines, things can, get, can go from yeah, zero right. to 100. But for, but for islands that are very whatever, that post-colonial um, rule is still very real. And so it's, it's interesting that, you know, here it is, you're this person who's now coming to escape one thing and coming to the islands, which you would imagine and hope would be a little bit more breezy, but you kind of realize it's a different kind of structure, yes. a different yes. kind of system that if you don't fall in line, you are ostracized, but in a different way. Yes, no, you're absolutely right. Like, um, you know, going into the government buildings, it's still, hey, you need to, if you're a lady, you can't come in here with a, with a, a sleeveless. Sleeveless, correct. Like, that stuff is madness, right? And at some point, I hope that 
we get rid of a lot of the a lot of the, the colonial rules that, that we're still locks in schools you, you know some schools, schools don't allow you to wear locks and if you're in some buildings you have to cover your locks like Absolutely. that's a real thing like I, I, I and I could only hope that the the people that need to champion that pick up that cause and champion it. Mm-hmm. but the beauty this is the beauty of building your brand in the digital age is that when you carve out your space you are no longer beholden to anybody you don't need the companies. You don't need nobody. You've built your space. You've carved it out. And you are coming to me. You are coming to me. You are asking me to add value to your business, your company, your marketing, whatever. You know, the people who are following me are following me for whatever I give them. The people who follow you are following you for your reasons. So for if, if you're a company that, you know, is going to bring somebody in and try to change them, you're not going to get what you're paying for. Mm-hmm. You're getting a modified version and, well, who knows what happens after that. You, you're not going to get the results that you would like. Absolutely. Um, but I, 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 when you are building your brand, when you're building your name and you do not need anybody to succeed, none of these companies to succeed, you know, there's a different level of confidence when you walk into that because you're there for a reason. Like I've Absolutely. Sat in, sat in meetings with its CEOs from various companies and everybody's there in a, in a blazer shirt and I'm there in a tee. Mm-hmm. And there is, there is a freedom. And at the end of the day, you're still getting heard because you've built something. You are not a- And you have track record. And, and you have the track record. You have the track record. All of these people, all these CEOs, did not build a company. They got appointed to an institution that's been long before them that they got appointed to. I built my own thing. Amen. I hear that. I hear that. It's a whole different ball game because they'll never take that away from you. You can get fired. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's a big speech. And I mean, I remember, funny enough, um, you know, Gary Vee, I saw this video, I think from last year. And what mm-hmm. he did was, you know, God bless his heart. He always kind of shows you his downsides when he was a nobody, when he was a guy who just sold wine. Like he tends to remind persons that where he is today, he was not always there. And he's, I, yeah. I think he does a very good job at showing us both sides, the wins, the losses. And the video that really stood out to me and I don't want listeners to feel as if what we're saying is go to business meetings in shredded shirts and shredded jeans. Like that's, that's not what we're saying Um, because you have to like give people context. But I remember the video that he showed, it showed where he was invited to be the keynote speaker um, at this particular location, this building, I think it was in Manhattan or wherever. And when he got there, the man at the door was like, you can't enter. And they were like, well, what do you mean I can't enter? Like, I'm the keynote. And they're like, no, but the rules to get into this particular building is that you have to be in a suit. You have to wear a jacket. So now, of course, his video is showing you his people, his handlers, the organizers, everybody trying to basically say, um, you know, we have like CEOs, like C-suite waiting for him. So there's no way we can not have this man in here, so you see all of this going for you. See him sitting down in the corner on his phone, like <laughs> you know, I don't know how this is gonna work because I don't wear suits. I don't have suits. <laughs> so eventually, the manager for the building comes back and says, "All right, here's what's gonna happen. We can lend you a suit, 
And, you know, you can't, no joke. He, I mean, I wish I had downloaded the video. So they put him in a suit. He's still in his jeans and his tee. He puts on the suit and the guys kind of go, well, you're not really 100% wearing what we need you to wear. But at least with the suit, you'll get in through the door. You can come in the building. And of course, in true um, Gary V's Tory, 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 you know, storytelling fashion, you show him, you see him outside the door, and you hear the person on the mic say, "Ladies and gentlemen, all the way from so and so and so, our keynote for da da da, Gary V." Um, no, I lie. It shows you years past. This is really what's going on. It shows you years past. The man is welcoming him. He opens the door. He steps in. He's wearing his T-shirt, his jeans, and a room full of suits stand up and clap him. And what he was kind of showing you is that back in the day, he had to conform. You know, he had to wear that jacket, whatever, go in and deliver to the suits. Now, years later, his brand is so much bigger that it doesn't matter which building they're in, it doesn't matter which C-suite persons they are, he's going to enter, he's going to enter in his shirt, his jeans, and he's going to curse. Yes. If you, if <laughs> he's going to curse like a sailor. And if you don't like it, yo, then just don't, don't get me. But guess what? Yes. You need me. You need Correct. Gary V. Correct. And I think that is the point that you're making, that... Yes. When you get to a point where you have built your professional brand and it has a, a track record of great performance and, and quality, because we're not saying you must go and act the fool and then all yeah. of a sudden, you know, you're like, well, how come nobody works? No, you actually have to have a track record. Correct. When that happens and the people come to you and they can't ask you to change because you've already proven yourself by being exactly who you are. Exactly. But, you, but you have to be executing. You have exactly. to be executing. And that's, and that's like that's like Damon John. Like Damon John is in a hoodie and fitted majority of the time. And when Damon John wants to wear a suit because he loves suits, mm-hmm. he will wear a suit. Yeah. But chances are if he's gonna be a keynote speaker and he's speaking at a bit, Damon's in a hoodie and fitted. Mm-hmm. And I see that, and I'm like, that's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can be in a hoodie right through, and and deliver like I'm that. That's that's you right there. But let me ask a question then, because we're still talking to our audience. We're still speaking to a reality that exists in our culture and in our countries. Do you think that with social media, the advent of social media, and the fact that a lot of these legends and icons and role models that youngsters look up to are doing the distressed jeans and they're doing the, you know, the whatever shirts and, you know, they're cussing and everything like that. And they're basically saying, you know, you got to be you, you got to do you. Do you think that that also confuses our youngsters that, you know, it doesn't work like this all the time. You have to sometimes conform. You have to sometimes get in the door and work your way up before you can speak like a Damon John, and before you can speak like a Gary Vee, because now we have persons like HR who say, youngsters come in now thinking, hey, I'm going to show up at this interview talking like Gary Vee and looking like Gary Vee because Gary Vee says, I can do this. He's given me permission to do this. And so what is your, 
what's your advice? Because you are that kind of entrepreneur, but you run your own business, right? Yeah. yeah. You can be this type of person because you've built your community, built your brand, you've built your respect. Yeah. How, what is the advice that you have for youngsters coming up in regards to time and place and knowing when to go full on Gary V and whether to yeah. just know when to nod and say, yes, sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to give you the age old Caribbean parental saying. You see under my roof. <laughs> that's it. Done. When you are, that's it. When you are under somebody else's roof, when you are going and asking somebody for a walk, a job, an intern, an employment, when you are under somebody else's roof, you need to play by those person's rules. And the, 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 the thing that people need to understand is you don't have to play by anybody's rules. But if you are going to go into somebody's house, house, you have to play by their rules. And if and you respect. don't like those rules, mm-hmm. respect those rules. And if you do not want to play by those rules, then go build your own house. Ooh. Your, mother, your mama dukes will tell you to go and turn your own key. Push your own key. That's a mic right? drop right there. Push, push your own key. And I firmly believe that because you know what? And this is why entrepreneurs and creatives struggle working under working at jobs because forget even the clothes like you will have opinions ideas that could help push the company forward and your boss just says yeah but we don't do that here and then you're disgruntled you feel like you're not frustrated Mm -hmm. you're frustrated and then you're sitting there complaining about you hate your job and they don't listen like you know you could do your own thing right (laughs) like it's as simple as that. And it doesn't need to be this grandiose business starting up because it never is. But if you are passionate about that industry, brick by brick, dump out, build brick by brick, start extremely small. I started with just a blog. Mm-hmm. My first website was trash. It was horrible. But brick by brick, you just get better and better and you build. But, you know, yeah, there's a, there's a time and place and that time and place will always matter when you are going to somebody else's house. Absolutely. If, if, that, if, if, if that house has rules that you don't like, then don't go. You know? Word. And I mean, and I'll, for not going, I, don't go. Exactly. And I'll even add, I'll even add this because you, you, you mentioned it and I mentioned it, time and place. I think it's important for us, whether we are on the Gen Z, Gen X, Gen N, M, M, N, O, P, whether you're a millennial or whatever, I think it's important for us to also realize that you know, understanding time and place does not take away from who you are. So I hear in the space, a lot of persons saying, but I, they, you know, because they're asking me to wear a suit, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to rid me of who I am. And it's like, no, no, no. Who you are remains who you are to your core. It simply just means that you adjust and adapt depending on the time and the place. Yeah. And you look at, look, look at, you know, look at the Grammys. Look at the Academy Awards. Everybody has to be in a dress or a suit and tie. However, everybody puts their own creativity to what that looks like. So no one just comes in their black and white 
TikToks. Correct. You have men coming in velour suit, suede suit, different, and they make it their own. And you can still express your creativity, but time and place. You know that if you want to get into the academy, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta tighten up. Mm-hmm. You know, but do it within your own style and flavor. No one's ever limiting you to that. They're just telling you that you know this is what you gotta do to to, to be here. And again, there are still people that will opt to not go to the grants. <laughs> true, true. You're right. There are people right. that will just say, "No, it's not for me. Whether I win, lose, draw, I'm not going." And then they don't show up and then you hear the name get called and then, yeah, a representative of that person will mail it out to them. You know, you, you, you pick, you pick, pick where and you choose. Pick and choose. If you, if you could tell me your biggest, biggest failure, biggest triumph, what would that be? Um, biggest, I think my biggest failure thus far would be um, um, before Droid Island, um, I had started a company with my stepdad's best friend. And that company was called Gadget Geeks. And I love the name. There. Yeah. <laughs> I love the name. It was, it was, I was trying to do what I'm doing with Droid Island. And actually, this is a good segue from where we're coming from. Because it was a partnership, um, meaning I had to go to him to run ideas by him. And he didn't understand the, the, the tech industry. He just knew it made money, mm-hmm. right? And he was, he was jointly financing the venture and helping me build a store or whatever. The capital. Mm-hmm. Um, the capital. Um, he, he pissed a lot of the money away and just, and just didn't make the, the whole partnership a good experience. So I... I had wasted almost all of my savings trying to get gadget geeks oh off the ground God. and everything was, everything was a pain. So that was like my, my biggest, my biggest failure because I, I lost the majority of my money and I had to rebuild, but I learned a lot. And that was also part of my motivation. Why I say, you know, a time and place. So one, because you're working with somebody and then the place that we were, the place that we had to the building was a building, his mom owned, a commercial building, his mom owned. So I didn't have to pay rent, mm-hmm. right? but he was the link. So he controlled, right. Had to play by their rules. Right. So losing the money, all that crap happened. And I learned that, you know what, if I'm going to get, this business off the ground, what do I need to learn to get my business off the ground? And that fueled my motivation for learning um, online business, web development, all that good stuff. So that when, you know, after I came out of prison and I knew, okay, I want to, I want to do Droid Island. I want to do, I want to get back into the tech space. You were equipped. I was equipped and I was hella motivated. Mm-hmm. Because I was not going to go back and ask anybody to join me on the venture. I wasn't going to ask nobody to pitch in money. Like, I wasn't going to ask nobody nothing. What do I need to learn to get this stuff off the ground? And I'm willing to pump hard and do whatever I can to get this thing off the ground. That has to be a matter of perspective, though. Like, you know, looking at the glass, you know, some people say people look at the glass half empty, half full. And somebody say, you know, I drank the water while everybody was trying to measure it. The fact that there are people, <laughs> the fact that there are people who go into business with partners who screw them over all the time, and their their uh, attitude after that is, "I'm done. I'm not doing this again." Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. They, they hold on to those disappointments and they use those disappointments as a blanket and a standard for everything else. As opposed to saying, you know what? I did it, got burnt, got disappointed, learned. Now I'm going to do it differently. Correct. Correct. And it, again, it, it, everybody, like with anything in life, situations happen. Everybody responds to it in their own way um, with the knowledge they are equipped with and where their emotional intelligence is at, is at the time. Um, so, you know, everybody has a right to, I guess, feel how they feel when they come out of situations. And I know for me, it, it's always been, I have a burning desire to be happy. Like I want to live a life that I can wake up to every day and I'm happy. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. It's hard, but I am happy to do it. I'm happy to contribute and be a contributing member to the Caribbean space and helping people because it makes me feel good. I'm happy doing it. And so, you know, I can't, I cannot see myself working a nine to five, working in an industry that I don't believe in. Um, and because I just, because I just want to be happy, I've learned that when I'm happy, the people around me happy. Absolutely. And if, I'm, if I'm happy and I'm doing the things that I want and I'm now, you know, able to monetize and sustain myself, I can be a productive father to mm-hmm. my kid. I can mm-hmm. be a productive brother, a productive friend. I can be of use to people mm-hmm. because I'm in a space where I can hold space for people, energize people, and be a contributing member to everybody that's, that's within my life. But it all starts with me being in a good place regardless of what I'm doing. You could win Miss Trinidad and Tobago world with that answer right there. Like you would have been crowned one time this year's Miss World is that would have been you. No, that's brilliant. No, that's that's absolutely brilliant. I mean, I know I could sit and talk to you forever. Like whenever we have a list for the listeners, yeah. like he and I will have a session, which is a professional session. And by the time we get on and start talking about our pleasantries, it's like three hours gone and we haven't we haven't started yet. I have I have three questions for you. Looking at where you are now at 34 and looking back at the little guy who would have been six or seven, what advice would you give him? Hmm. Don't be afraid to f- Like, do it. Like, I wouldn't change anything. So... Life was rough, <laughs> some bad decisions made, but had you have not made those decisions, we wouldn't be where we are right now. And I see where we're going and I'm excited. So you, you don't be afraid to, to, to go against the grain because everything society is going to teach you is to go a particular way. And obedience. From when I was young, obedience. And from when I was young, my mom calls me the rebel child. She's like, you were up, you were ahead. You were always the one. I say, go left. You went, you were always that one. Right. And it's, 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 that's me. Mm-hmm. You know, everything people say you, 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 you can't do or it can't be done or whatever. 
once it's within my space in my realm, I'm gonna figure out how how to go and do it. So mm-hmm. don't be afraid, man. Just just do it because no one else is. They're gonna, you know, as you say, everybody's gonna tell you it can't be done until they it's see done. It. Absolutely. When they say here in the Caribbean, you know, you, you, the opportunities are not in the Caribbean. You have to leave the Caribbean mm-hmm. to go move to the first world countries in order to find success or to be happy. Nah, I like palm trees. I like coconut water. I like I like my little rice and peas. And you like your red stripe beer? I, yeah, like <laughs> no, I'm here. I'm doing it here. <laughs> We're gonna do it here. My penultimate question is inspired by the passing of Chadwick Boseman, and it's probably going to be a question I'm going to ask uh, mm-hmm. all of my guests. You know, um, you've lived your life, mistakes and all your failures and your triumphs. You've done whatever it is that you've been doing up to this point. And you, God calls you home. Mm-hmm. What do you want people? What do you want your eulogy to say? What do you want the, 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 the biggest takeaway or, or feeling to be? What do you want people to say about you? I think, um, I think, I think for me, at my eulogy, I want people that when they think of me, they feel warm and fuzzy inside. They, they, they said that was the guy who was the energy. You were around him. He could sell you anything. He made you feel like you could do anything because that was what radiated from him. And he was that source of vibes, of energy, of willpower for, for everybody that was around him. And he made a smile every single day. <laughs> go, go! <laughs> That's so beautiful. I think it's always, um, it's always interesting. I don't think a lot of people ever think about, you know, you know when they pass, what what do you think people are going to say? Um, That's and a I, fuck. And I, yeah, you just you know you just know it's gonna happen. But then it's like you you leave now. So like, what legacy? What legacy have you left behind? A legacy does not have to be an estate. It does not have to be a physical thing. Your legacy could have been how you made people feel. And if mm, you moved, exactly. if you moved and awakened things inside of them that they didn't even believe or knew existed, like that's a legacy whether we like it or not. It's just intangible, you know? So um, That's a fact. And, you know, I wanna, I'll say one thing, you know, as you brought up Chadwick Boseman, my biggest takeaway from Black Panther was who's going to build our Wakanda? Mm. Word. everybody went to the theaters, everybody dressed up, everybody was Wakanda saluting down the place. But then who is willing to, to, to go against the grain and say, you know what, we're tired of all the racial injustice, we're tired of all the murders, we're tired of being in the Caribbean and feeling like we have no opportunities. We're going to create our own. To create our Wakanda. And you know, it's funny you should say that because I literally, um, I did an IG live and it was, it was it, of course it was because of Chadwick Boseman and I said, you know, we, we, 
it's amazing that we had him as a Black Panther, as a Black hero. We had our first symbol of seeing royalty in a very different way. It was cool to be Black. And then they portrayed um, Black people as having science and, and careers and skills. And it was just, yes. it was just amazing. And I was just like, well, we need to now try to be our own Black Panthers. And we have to now be Black Panthers for our families and our communities because it's only when we decide to be that symbol do we actually create that type of world that we saw on the screen. But we can't do it if we just applaud and then we go back to the regularly scheduled program. Like, we we won't be able to create anything if that's what we do. Absolutely. Well, I'm happy that we have people like you who are like, our little Black Panthers, because, for example, because of you, I created my own website. I am now discussing e-commerce, and you know, <laughs> that's that's us creating our own economy, you know, and build and Correct. building our own brands, which is which is something that you are extremely passionate about. Correct, and I and I learned I learned that e-commerce is the way is the e-commerce is the lowest hanging fruit for passive income. Mm-hmm. And we know that passive income can turn into generational wealth. <laughs> That's the so truth. The easiest, the easiest way to get started building passive income is e-commerce. And black people anywhere in the world no longer and, and e-commerce, you know, e-commerce isn't expensive, mm-hmm. right? We building our websites and stuff like that isn't expensive. No, it isn't. You just need to know. You just need to have the know-how, right? Um, and if we can start to do that amongst our communities and we can get more black families to start becoming self-sustaining, collectively, we can do things. Yeah, and collectively, we can now demand. So people will know we don't, we don't have to beg to be invited to the table, but now we'll be, we'll, be, we'll be asked and pleaded. We'll be begged Correct. to come to the table. Correct. Hmm. Correct. A... My last question. God, I could ask you questions all day. I know after this interview is over, I'm going to be like, man, I didn't ask him this. I didn't ask him that. I could have asked him this. Um, I'm sure there'll be a part two whenever you move into your next phase because I know you're always moving and you're always shaking. Um, the, The name of this podcast is Redirection because I think it's important for people to understand that life doesn't happen the way you always think it's going to happen. Um, and some of the, the greatest people and the greatest brands and the greatest legends that we know came out of piss poor situations. And yes. for you, you said it was jail. Like for people, you know, thinking that uh, persons couldn't come out of jail, being even better, you are like the perfect example of that. And I want yes. people to understand that sometimes the rejection and the, the, the dejection and the disappointments are really there to help not only shape and mold you, but to put you on the path you're really supposed to be. So with that said, what I want you to do is I want you to finish the sentence in your own words. Redirection is. Or redirection does. It's it's completely up to you, but your sentence has to start with redirection. (laughs) Wow. Oh man. Look at Karen looking up to the sky. He's like, all right, let me pull for my inner <laughs> Black Panther. Let me give her another pageant answer. Yeah. Let this be the last um, thing that people remember about what re- redirection can do, does, is. Redirection is a lifesaver. Hmm. It saved my life. 
<laughs> because a lot of my friends I grew up with aren't here no more. And I could easily have been with them because I was with them in everything. <laughs> but redirection for me definitely saved my life. Thank you. Thank you so very much. I know every single time we talk, it's always laugh, laugh, kiki, kiki, kia, kia, And we're talking business. But I just thought it was really important to get a very good idea, a good sense of what made you, what helped to shape you, and how you took some of the worst circumstances in your life and turned it around for this, your own brand, that you're now helping people. You're not taking from them, funny enough, in comparison to how you first started taken from them to survive, but now you are giving and empowering and you are not just surviving, you are thriving. And I think that's a very beautiful thing. So I just want to thank you. Thank you for your time and just continue to big up Trinidad and Tobago, you know, our neighbors and, and just continue to big up the Caribbean. We need more people to create the type of economy we want for the region um, and for our individual countries. So thank you, man. No, thank you for having me, man. And, you know, I always say you're doing some amazing things. I, I, I keep telling everybody this woman is the biggest thing, the biggest thing out of the Caribbean. <laughs> and and you, you, you show up every single day, you know, and you're, you're pushing the boundaries out here too. And again, it's, it's, everybody has taken, everybody's taken notice. And I am I, I'm, I'm waiting with my popcorn and wine to see redirection drop and to see oh where God. it goes. Oh God. When, when it goes, where I know it's going to go, they got to say, tell you. you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And if there's, and I mean, and I mean, if there's one thing I'm going to leave, like finally, because this is what happens with Karen and I, we say goodbye and then we, we keep talking. <laughs> if there's one thing I can encourage anyone who's listening to, you know, listening is it's never too late to find very valuable people in your lives. And they're not always going to be the um, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. A lot of the time, a part of my redirection was when a door opened and I met someone new who assisted me in my other season, my next season, gave me encouragement, helped to water my seed. And those people usually came from very unassuming places. And that's where Karen and I kind of crossed paths a couple of months ago. And he's been a source of encouragement. And he's like, you can do it. And quite frankly, those are the type of people you really want to meet along your, your, your journey. Your journey is never over. Number one hype man. Your journey is never over. But it gets... And it doesn't mean that your disappointments disappear. But when you have certain people in your corner, you realize that your cushion when you fall is a lot nicer than when you don't have the right people in your corner. So, I mean, I always want to thank you for hyping me. Instagram, <laughs> you send me my DMs, you send me, send me my WhatsApp message. You're like, yo, you're the best in the commuter yard. You know, thank you. Because those things go a very far, very far away. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And again, you push me too, so it's a mutual feeling all the time. Thank you. Thanks again, guys. Thanks for listening. And of course, I, as usual, I will have some amazing, or some other amazing guests. And just by the way, Karen, can you just drop your handle so people know where to find you? We can't have this yes. good, good conversation and people don't know, like, yes. where will we find him? 
Yes, you could Google a man them. The man them are at Karen Rose, you know, just Google a man them. It's Karen Rose everywhere. <laughs> Legit, the man literally just says, Google me. At Karen Rose, you will find him. And he's always helpful, always responsive, and is willing to help you in, you know, whichever way, shape or form he can. So again, look him up, link him up. He's good people. And you know, if I say he's good people, you know that he's definitely good people. So thanks again, guys. And I will see you next week. All right, take care.